0: It's BWI Live. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. We are into the off season, so we're going to be taking a look at some uh, more less newsy stuff and more some conversations about Penn State football and getting into some interesting things about the, the roster, the depth chart, the offseason, all of those things uh, here on the show. We are going to have some fun with today. I'm going to bring up some topics. I'm going to force these guys to say some things uh, to make sure that they uh i'm gonna hold them down put their feet to the fire and make them answer the tough questions uh i'm your host thomas frankard joining us right now say hello to everybody nate bauer senior editor blue white illustrated nate with us today as always and dave eckert he is our intrepid reporter we only have intrepid reporters at blue white (laughs) illustrated uh both he and uh and greg pickle and of course Nate's a, uh not just the editor, he's a reporter. You're all very intrepid. So welcome to the show and let's have some fun talking about Penn State football. And as always, If you want to get your questions answered in the chat or if you want to bring up a topic for us to talk about, you can always do that. We just uh, ask that you put it in uh, question form if you want to bring up a a topic. And if you're interested, you can always donate to the channel using the Super Chat function. If you do that, we absolutely will get to your question or to your comment. So, guys, welcome. Hope you're having a great snow day so far. Nate, you have uh, Bring Your Daughter to Work Day, don't you?
1: Every day is bring your daughter to work day right now, and so you know there may be a little bit of a guest appearance at some point uh, against my will uh, <laughs> for the show, but we'll see. Uh, Just
0: cross your fingers. That's that's totally cool. Here's the deal: uh, we we're an all inclusive show, including children, and luckily, I don't think she's going to swear, and that's really the only thing I care about on camera. She's not going to. You haven't taught her any profanity, have you, Nate?
1: No, well, uh, <laughs> no, she does have some hot takes about Penn State football, though. <laughs> so the under the under four set is very hard to please. Yes. Doesn't like the punting practices. It, anyway, it doesn't matter. doesn't
0: matter. And, and she's all about uh, juice cups, sippy cups for everybody. Uh, Dave, welcome to the show. Is the cat going to be making an appearance? Because I know that if we're just going to have guest appearances all day, I'll get the bunny out.
2: <laughs> she will not she is uh she is locked in a different room against her will um, mm. which you cannot do with children but you can do with cats So <laughs> isn't that great uh, yeah it's, it's fantastic <laughs> uh, i cannot promise that i won't swear to you frank okay. but i'll do my best
0: Uh, So we've got a a question in the uh, the chat from Dave. We'll be getting to that in just a little bit. Um, If you did not see, there's a little bit of um, maybe some Real Housewives level drama from former Penn State corner Lamont Wade on his Instagram. So we'll be getting to that in just a little bit from Dave. I do want to start. To set the scene for Penn State football this offseason where we talked last week. It was the first week of the semester. Still some wiggle room about maybe there would be a transfer in, maybe there would be a transfer out. But we're now into the second week of the semester. There has been no move in or out from Penn State football. Um, Dave, you wrote last week about Penn State's scholarship count and where they are in that area. Can you fill us in so that we have a baseline of what we're working with to talk about for the rest of the show today?
2: yeah so i guess with anything like this right uh where there's still variables to consider you can't really get like an exact count but where i have them is between 90 and 84 depending on what some of the seniors who still have eligibility left and haven't said anything do and also depending on uh the status of tyrese mills who is committed to penn state he's from lackawanna college but he didn't sign in the early signing uh signing periods that kind of seems a little bit up in the air so yeah there's there's kind of six guys that we're still not sure about and without kind of interpreting it like which ones got carried off at the bowl game or doing any of that nonsense like just leaving it as it is that's the range that they're in um so certainly they need to get down to 85 before the season starts so there's some some news to come
0: yeah, either way, there is going to be some movement, but I think it's important that, as you pointed out, they're over the scholarship limit right now, so to get transfers in, there has to be more than that going out for the math to work out. And and we, as we've talked about previously, uh, it doesn't have to be until training camp, right, to the start of the season when the roster has to be fully set per the 85 designation?
2: Yeah, I, b- I believe just training camp is, is that, uh, that deadline, yeah.
0: Okay, so... No further departures. How are you what? guys feeling about this? Well, with Noah Cain, yeah. But since we last talked, Noah Cain, that was a big one. Yeah. We, we, Nate and I covered it on the Daily Edition. But no uh, new uh, arrivals and one departure. Nate, are you concerned about where Penn State sits right now with the way that their their depth chart and their scholarship looks heading into winter workouts?
1: No, I don't think so. I think, I think, they're. I mean, listen, everything's fine, right? Like <laughs> everything's fine. It, it's hard um, to be I, terrible
0: at this point in the year, right? Like you can't, yeah, well, no, I just, you can't pull I the think, fire alarm in January.
1: Yeah. I, I, I think that if you're reading the tea leaves, it's, it's fairly obvious that they missed on a few portal uh, targets, right? Now, I'm not saying they missed an, an avalanche, but certainly there were some guys that, they were interested in an offensive lineman who just committed to UCF, USF, one of the Florida schools, um, you know, pretty recently. So yeah, no, it's, is it exactly where you want to be? Probably not. But is it, is it a a dire situation? I don't think so. And really, if you, if, if you consider the transfer portal and how this movement works at this point, it, it feels to me as though there's, two big pushes, right? There is the immediate after the season push in which everyone's trying to get solidified and centered before the start of the academic calendar in the spring. And then the second push is after spring practice. So after all these programs go through spring practice, coaches and players have conversations. People like or dislike what they are projecting for themselves and their future with their team. And you know, they, they make decisions to go elsewhere. So I I think that certainly there, there is a little bit of a calm right now for Penn state football, but I would definitely anticipate to see uh, a few more out and probably some in between now and really June. The, the,
0: what you kind of jarred loose in my mind is at the same time that Penn State is going through, uh, you know, coaching staff upheaval, and just this is in general for any um, coaching staff, coaching changes at the end of the season, whether it's hires, fires, retentions, any of those things, at the same time as the early signing period, at the same time as everything else is ending and you're getting ready for your bowl game. Is that too many things at once for them to be able to navigate, especially when Penn State had as many changes on the coaching staff as they did? Do you think that played into this? And and with that transition with the holidays and the new uh, semester and the new year, Dave, do you think that that is part of the reason we saw less activity from Penn State this year?
2: I don't think so. I mean... Was it a a pleasant time for the coaching staff workload wise? Maybe not, Um, but you know, there's, there's, there's people there to get this done. Right. Um, I, I, I would, again, I'm not super dialed into, you know, the conversations that they're having with the, with the transfers. It's kind of Ryan Snyder's uh, turf, I guess, but I would suspect that there are many other reasons on the list besides, I guess, staff workload that, would factor into them not having landed someone yet.
0: But I, I I just mean in simple fact of there was some roster turnover as much as, you know, your defensive coordinator is leaving uh, your special teams coordinator left. There was some off field stuff that we covered on the BWI daily edition, as far as player uh, people from that part of the arena leaving. Uh, It's just, it's a thought it's an open ended question of, uh, there is a lot of stuff going on, but if you have upheaval, that might be a part of the situation.
2: Um, yeah, I think I think I think that's a thing that almost I don't want to paint with too broad a brush, but I feel like a lot of teams go through that, right? I yeah. mean, Penn State fans, you know, especially fans of a certain age who you know spent a lot of time with Joe Paterno and his his staff. I mean, they know or they've they've had an experience that I think is very unlike the standard college football fan experience when it comes to staff turnover. Yeah. Um, so obviously, you know, it might it might be a factor, but I, I think that, you know, if, if you're a linebacker considering six schools, right, I would imagine that two or three of them have a new defensive coordinator this year, you know, so it's it's yeah. it's I think it's something that is pretty normal.
0: It, so it 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 you bring up something with with Joe Paterno and kind of the history of college football in general, and Penn State has a very traditional fan base. So this is an interesting situation is the people that follow this stuff on a regular basis, uh, you know, some of the subscribers over at BlueWhiteIllustrated.com, which you can go in and you can find, uh, as uh, Dave talked about earlier, Ryan Snyder and his insights into the portal. And one player, as Nate mentioned, Ryan Swoboda, uh, who went to UCF, what the situation was there and how that unfolded. You get all that information. As soon as we get it, only on the premium message board. So, BlueWetIllustrated.com, sign up for just $1. And you can get access to all of that for 12 months. If you're joining the show today, what we're doing is we're talking about the Penn State offseason. And we're setting things up for the bulk of the show today, which is giving you a clue as to what Penn State's roster looks like right now. And then we're going to talk about Important people, important situations, important dates as we go through the offseason with the information that we have now. So if you want to put something in the chat, you want a question answered or asked, uh, or you want to make a statement, feel free to do that. Uh, And we'll get to this right now because Dave uh, led the show with it. So we'll take one quick uh, break here. Dave says, "Any thoughts on the Insta stories with Lamont Wade?" In response by some parents and guys on the team. For those that don't know, Lamont Wade, when Noah Kane went into the transfer portal, he screenshotted that and said, "I should have got out of there when I had the chance." Talking about Penn State. What are what is your reaction to that, Nate?
1: Um. Yeah. I. I mean. I, first of all, I don't think it's necessarily productive to, you know, like, <laughs> like, are we all going to sit here and feel surprised that not everyone has a, an ideal picture, perfect experience in their college career, right? Like, right. Forget Penn state. Like th- this is what, <laughs> whether, whether somebody is right? Like over the top, all in Sean Clifford style, lives it, breathes it, eat it or not. You can't fake it as a college athlete. Yeah, There are so many things that you have to be at, have to do, have to work for (laughs) that to me, every single person who is in the Penn State football program or really anywhere at this level has to be, has to dedicate their life to it. And so when you think about that level of investment and the effort that goes into it, and then to come out of it and not have the career that you thought you would have or not have the experience that you thought you would have, like that can be jarring, that can be jarring. And some people handle it better than others. And some people are more vocal about handling it better than others. And so, I mean, I'm not even really sure that I would say it's a not being handled well situation. Like, <laughs> you know, if the guy, if the guy wants to say something that he, he wishes he had done something differently, I understand why Penn state fans will be offended or, you know, taken aback by that, but it, it should, it should not be the story that it has become. I, I just, I, it, it doesn't feel productive for really anybody. Um, at this point,
0: Dave, do you do you have any different thoughts about it, or what is your thought about this particular story and situation?
2: Yeah, I mean, I have similar takes. I guess I, it's yeah. one of those things where we don't know what happened, we don't know what his experience was like. So I don't, I you know, it's hard to have an opinion, <laughs> right? Because it's like right. you know, we weren't there. It, it, he he might be totally off base, or he might have a point. I don't know. Yeah. So uh, it's it's tough to speculate on, definitely, but. Well, uh,
0: Let's, yeah. review, let's review the facts, not to speculate about uh, blame or to speculate about what would have or could have been if he had gone somewhere different in the transfer portal, but a former five-star athlete at corner moved to two different positions during his Penn State football career and then entered the portal, clearly unhappy with what was going on in his career, and then decided to come back, played, I. I think based on my analysis of watching him play football, they played him in the best possible situation for him. And then he goes on and uh, does not get drafted and moves to the NFL. And I don't know actually at the moment whether he's on a roster or not. So you can see, there you go. You can see how that player would feel a certain way about his career and his experience based on the fact that he's a five-star. He should have been in the NFL, should have been a first round pick. So examining what went wrong or whatever is obviously how this happens. Penn state is a part of that for his personal process. And again, you're right. I don't know if he wasn't taught properly at the position. I don't know any of those things, but that's what happened. That's a former five-star didn't get drafted. Isn't in the NFL right now. That's where the situation is coming from. So, uh, it, it's unfortunate for Lamont too. Like, you know, he's a guy that put a lot of stock in his future and it didn't work out for him as of yet. So, any other thoughts on that before we move on?
1: I hate stories like this. I just, I, I, yeah. I resent them deeply because, some, you know, uh, and look, like, I get it. It's social media and nothing actually disappears, right? As soon as you put it into the ether, it exists forever but a guy pops off on a store, literally an Instagram story, which yep. is meant to expire after 24 hours. Somebody takes a screenshot of it and then tweets that screenshot to thousands and thousands of followers, yep. you know, uh, in, in a forum where if it is limited to just Instagram, there is no actual avenue for a response to it, right? Yep. Like people who follow this person on Instagram, can see it, but they can't actually comment on it. So it just, it, it just, it just feels to me very like, oh man, this, this is not, what are we doing? Yeah. What are we doing? What are we talking about
0: here? here, here, Here's, here's another, here's another fact about Lamont Wade. He's an emotional guy. He, like you watch the way he plays, you listen to him talk, you talk to him. Lamont was a very emotional football player. And, you may even say something in the moment that you don't totally mean, but because of what Nate just said, and even when you put it in a story, like if Lamont Wade wanted to really trash Penn State, you do it in it as you do it in somebody else other than an Instagram story that you watch for twenty seconds, and then as Nate said, expires later. So I don't know, and it's also one of those as I talked about, it's a Real Housewives sort of story. It's all about drama and emotion and conflict. And it doesn't actually have any bearing right now on Penn State football or the future. Truthfully, he, 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 uh,
1: this is, this is literally the only thing I could say is that Lamont Wade was nothing but courteous and professional in any dealing that I ever had with him yeah. ever. I mean, he, he was always polite to the media. He was always thoughtful. I mean, very thoughtful He's a, he, he, yeah. he, that people don't like all of those thoughts is yeah. Yeah, you know, like that it just kind of is what it is, but it doesn't mean that um you know that he that he doesn't think about those things. So and, and, and
0: you is. you you make a good point by emotional, I mean passionate. I think a sure. lot of people think emotion uh emotional is either a weakness or a bad thing. I think passion is what makes football players great. That passion, that depth of of fire is what makes a lot of guys great and that's also what can be, you know, A problem later on. So, anyway, let's move on. Let's talk about Penn State's offseason as it is now with the the roster as it stands. Who are the most important players on the roster this winter for Penn State? I want to go offense and defense, and I want to get your opinions on the guys that have to. This is something we did last week on the BWI Daily Edition. Uh, Who are the guys that are the most important to have a really good offseason for Penn State to have a big 2022? Dave, I want to go with you first. What is your offensive pick for most important Penn State football player to crush it this offseason?
2: Uh Landon Tangwall. Um obviously, you know, we saw him a little bit towards the end of the season. We liked what we saw. Uh Penn State's offensive line was was terrible. Um, so uh he's he's a guy that's important. So yeah, uh you, you know, for offensive linemen, you know, you, you hope Again, the, these early years are where they're making these big jumps. Um, for any offensive lineman to play as a true freshman, I think is a considerable uh, considerable achievement. So certainly this is a big offseason for him and for Penn State because, look, I mean, if Penn State doesn't get some growth out of some of these guys, they're in big trouble. right? Right. I mean, I don't think that's yeah. a controversial or hot take. So seriously, um, I think he's one of, if not the most important guy on – maybe the entire roster uh, from a growth perspective.
0: Well, that makes sense. He's also one of the biggest dudes that can grow the most. So, Nate, do you have another football player on offense who you think is the most important that crushes it this offseason? Dave, you're way off. It's it's <laughs> Olufashanu, you dummy.
1: <laughs> well, it, like, yeah, it... Uh, if Penn state's offensive line isn't considerably better next season than it was this season, the program will continue to not have the success that everyone wants that like bottom line, I, 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 I we can talk circles in so many different avenues and so many areas. And certainly there are other areas and things that can and must improve for Penn state to win more games next season and into the future. But the core of this conversation is, is was will continue to be on the offensive line and very specifically from for me at left tackle uh i I just it's such an important piece of the puzzle up front and you know what where where is penn state going to be i mean juice Grug certainly at center i think was is uh could probably compete right in the argument for has to be better has to Slide into that role and, and fit right. I mean, that that's just that's that's also a very important piece. But yeah, yeah. I don't think that there's any question that that they need better production than what Rasheed Walker provided this season. Uh, better push, but you know, you yeah. name it. I mean, it's just it's it is a cornucopia of issues. Up Let me. Front.
0: Let me ask you about Scruggs because I think we saw a clear path in what, but Penn State wants to do both with Curtis Jacobs moving to the will in the bowl game and then with you Scruggs moving to the center position in the bowl game as well. That felt very intentional of they wanted to get a look at those guys at what is probably their future position. So, Nate, what did you think of Scruggs at center in the bowl game?
1: Uh didn't didn't notice him. I you know I would say which it typically is a. An A plus, right? I, yeah, I don't, I
0: don't know. <laughs> they also I ran mean, the ball between the tackles like three times, so there yeah, wasn't a what, lot of time for him to make a ton of mistakes.
1: Yeah, so you know, look, like the, I, I think that certainly to the layperson of which I am, the center position's most notable mess up, right, is like snapping it over the quarterback's head. Yep. <laughs> right, or 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 a fumbled snap. There weren't any of those, so. <laughs> As far as as far as I'm concerned, uh, he, he passed that test with flying colors. But I, I don't more seriously, I, I don't think that there's any question that Penn State wants, needs, demands improvement from the center position yeah. for next season. And so it, it's it's really incumbent on him to, to be able to slide into that spot and, and perform
0: there. So you're both wrong. You're, you, you got oh. the right position. You got the right situation. You got the wrong player. Uh, Actually, so I've got two that I'm thinking of now that we're talking about the offensive line uh, because something we talked about last week, I did a a series of articles about the offensive line and the one that came out Friday, if you want to check it out, bluewhiteillustrated.com, sign up for just a dollar. Uh, I put together five offensive line combinations for Penn State next season and then went through the likelihood, unlikelihood, best case scenario, and then most realistic and then you know, kind of picked which one I thought would fit the bill for all of those. And Salim Wormley we know nothing about but won a starting job for Penn State football last year. So what is he? Is he, you know, what is his his style of an offensive uh, lineman? One thing I learned watching and kind of reinforcing a belief I had previously is you can't have two players next to each other that are too similar in terms of Juice Scruggs is more of an athletic mobile blocker and Mike Miranda is not a powerhouse. So you've got to have guys with beef on the interior if Juice Scrubs is gonna be your center. If you're gonna play that game again, both your guards have to be big physical blockers. And we're projecting Landon Tangwall, I think, into guard at this point. So what's Salim Wormley like? Is he good at, at that? And and is he is he gonna be a physical move guy move guys off the ball, or is he gonna be more of a uh, you know, gets in the way sort of blocker? And then the other guy, the dark horse in all of this. And the longer I look at the roster and the more I look at the offensive line, Jimmy Crist could be a huge part of this as, as a dark horse. This is going to be his third year in the program now. And they need somebody at tackle. Because even if it isn't one of the two starters that they have with Caden Wallace and Olaf Ashanu that aren't the guys right now, uh, you've got Bryce Efner, their swing player, who is, I think at this point, he is he back? Is he not back? We don't know that from the transfer portal. So having a third tackle, any anybody, anybody, if they get one in the portal, that's great, but right now it's Jimmy Crist. If he can take a step forward and at least be a contributor, there might be some uh, movement and flexibility with Caden Wallace. And if they can get that, that's something they absolutely need. So on defense, who is your most important player on defense? Who would we go to first last time? Who, who, who hasn't spoken in a while? Because I just went on a long monologue. Dave, I'll go. let him go. Dave. Like All right, thank okay. you, Dave.
2: Um, I'm kind of taking a a similar tact, T Frank, with my defensive one. Um, I'm going with Adisa Isaac, because again, uh, he's somebody that, uh, James Franklin, I think said on a, I think it was his radio show, maybe a pregame radio show that, you know, they expect to have him back for spring practice, um, and getting him back for spring practice is going to be really important. So obviously he's not going to be doing the same things as everybody else. But I think his process, his recovery, getting back for spring practice is going to be really key because I mean I think we all assume that he's going to start, right? Um, that seems to be the the going assumption. Um, so instead of picking with one of the two linebackers, I'll go with I'll go with him.
0: So Nate, is that a perfect segue to who you picked?
1: Uh, yeah, and I, I don't. Now that I'm looking at it, Dave made a better choice. I feel, <laughs> I feel bad about it. So who are you I going said, with? I I have Kobe King. And I just I feel like there's a natural vacuum that is taking place at linebacker when you lose Ellis Brooks who's been such a mainstay. Like that's to me that's that's the thing is there's really no obvious heir to that position where in the past, maybe there had been a little bit more. Um, so, yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that that Kobe King obviously uh, can play Mike. And with that, you know, th- I mean, there, it's just such a big piece of what Penn State does. It's a it's uh, and, and obviously, I mean, I'm using the framework and the reference point of Brent Prize defenses so mm-hmm. maybe with manny diaz things things change a little bit I, i'm not sure i mean you you probably have a little bit better of a feel of that than i do but uh just in the, in the past right i mean again kind of loosely speaking it, it so much of it is predicated on that position being positioned Filling the gaps, right? I mean, and, right. and being in, in the right spot at the right time, and then making the play. I don't think you have to be the most athletic um, freak in the world to to be able to to man that spot, but you better be smart and you better be physical. Yeah. And if you can if you can fulfill those two things, um, you know, Penn State really has a chance to succeed on defense because they they do put so much of an emphasis on on absolutely help Ben stopping the run. Yeah. Do not do not let teams run and then take your chances from there.
0: So it is interesting because there are there are subtle differences even within I think vast similarities and to what you're speaking about Nate with the linebacker position for Penn State under Brent Pry, especially that Mike linebacker is they would move their defensive linemen a lot post-snap. So you're lined up in one gap and that's your gap responsibility. And that's what the offensive line is aiming for when they block, especially against teams that run zone blocking. That's why Penn State, a couple years ago, was so effective with Micah Parsons against zone and uh, teams like Iowa, because they would move the defensive line one way and free up Parsons to get into a gap, and then he would blow it up. Or he'd run over the top and he'd be able to blow it up that way, where he had the athleticism to fly from the backside. To the front side, or what they could do, so many different things. So, Brent Pry used a lot of defensive linemen shifting and motion to get into different gap schemes and formations. Manny Diaz, from what I've seen, and I haven't done a, a really, you know, I haven't watched him in, in depth for eight years like I did for Brent Pry. But his defensive linemen, especially the de- defensive tackles specifically, just it seems like they just get upfield. Like their job is blow up the run scheme by winning your gap and pushing into the backfield. So that's going to be something interesting for me to learn this offseason is what are the subtleties there that, that I haven't really picked up on quite yet. But you might not need something exactly the same way as Brent Price. That's a really good point. Uh, the thing, though, I do think you will need is somebody at defensive tackle to grow up. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I mean, literally, these were young guys thrust into the lineup, and one of them has to get to a size and a strength and a maturity perspective where they can be relied on in the middle. Because right now, as of last year, there there wasn't. Uh, and I, I still think with Keziah Izzard, it's not really a fault of his own that he was in there at 295, and he he needed still to get stronger and a little bit bigger. James Franklin talked about it of, You know, he was put in way early. We didn't expect him to have to do that, and he did, and, you know, it didn't go well. Uh, So let's get on that particular note to another topic. Guys that got a bad rap in 2021 that didn't deserve it as much as their play would have indicated. Uh, So, Nate, I'm going to go to you. We're going to do a snake draft. You get to go again and then Dave. So who's a guy that got a bad rap, but he wasn't as bad as it seemed in 2021? Sean Clip? No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> Please, we were having a nice show. We were having a nice show. I don't want to have to what talk about a- it again. What other answers? <laughs> no. Um, I I
1: said Joey Porter Jr. I, I think that there were some penalties certainly that were. I I don't know the the certainly I thought that the pass interference at Michigan State was not an appropriate call. And I thought that he took some heat for that. That probably wasn't warranted. And I think really uh, through the course of the season, he developed a reputation for that, right? When really in my mind, there were maybe three defensive holding and or pass interference calls against him. It's just that they came in kind of significant moments uh, for, for Penn state. And so, yeah, I, I, thought that Joey Porter jr. Had a pretty good season, uh, with the potential to be like, I think it's a big deal that he's coming back to Penn state. I think that that is really, really, really important for the defense and for him, you know, to, to, to come back and, and have a big year, uh, in 2022.
0: Dave, we're on to you. Who are who's your guy that got a bad rap that didn't deserve it?
2: Yeah, I picked. I picked the same guy. Most I tried to come up with a different one, and I really, I really couldn't. I'm sorry, I Sean fell. Clifford. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, for, for for similar reasons, right? Because you know, I think he just he took some penalties at the end of the season that were costly. He had a bad game against, I think it was Maryland, where he just really yeah he allowed seven receptions against Maryland. Uh, for 86 yards, so kind of got picked on a little bit there. But other than that, I mean, he was just solid, right? He's he's he reduced his passer rating against from 2020 by like 40 points. Um, he was really good in the run game. Yeah, he was an asset, and people people portray him like he wasn't, and i it confuses me. I think there's just some frustrations uh, coming like coming from the penalty issues, but yeah. Uh, to me, he's, he's certainly the choice. So I went
0: back and forth on this. And even as I'm saying this sentence, I'm kind of going back and forth on it of, of the guy I want to highlight. Looking at Keevan Lee, please. Cause don't make me, don't just don't make me, don't make me, I don't make me talk about that again. I, I, I've done it enough. Uh, Keevan Lee, I, you know, He's he's defined by his limitations a lot in in the conversations about the running back position because and it's 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 earned, honestly. There, and that's why I'm having a hard time here of he's not as bad as people, maybe their emotions make them feel about him um, because he does things, everything he does pretty well. He got to the point at the end of the season where everything he was doing was good. But there was nothing exceptional. There was nothing electric. He wasn't making that one guy miss that James Franklin harped on all season long. And even James Franklin's talked about this going back to Saquon Barkley of you got to make the safety miss. That's your job as a running back. Make the one guy miss. We'll take care of everybody else. In those situations, Keevan Lee routinely didn't do that. But he picked up the yards that were there and he was reading blocks well by the end of the season. He was pass protecting at a better rate. Still think there were some ugly things that happened in the bowl game that weren't his fault, but he was put in situations where it looked like it was his fault. And then as a receiver in the open field, he just didn't get a lot of opportunities in checkdown situations. Uh, and he doesn't, you know, Penn State didn't target their running backs a lot in the passing game. So you know, I thought he was good last year by the end of the season. But the offense as a whole wasn't any good and he wasn't making up for it. So that would be, I would say, my guy. I'm going to talk myself into it because I don't have anybody else I can think of. Uh, who got more credit than they deserve? Go on the flip side, Dave. Who do you think got more credit than they deserved in 2021?
2: Yeah, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to do this because he's not returning, but I went with, I went with Derek Tangelo. I that, thought he was. That's
0: a perfect one.
2: Yes. Yeah. I thought he was good, but not amazing um in the way that maybe he was portrayed sometimes Uh, i thought he was reliable i thought he was fine i thought he did his job but i did not think that he was a standout um and i think that is kind of the perception that many fans had of him so yeah that's that's where i went
0: nate uh who who got all the laurels and deserved maybe half the laurels that they did
1: i i think so I said, I said Lee, which now I'm going to take it back. <laughs> <laughs> Lawyer. I, no, I, I look, <laughs> I, I think that there's, I think that there is a, um, like I'm, I'm struggling to think of who is praised. <laughs> like who, who, yeah. who actually got, who got a lot of credit for playing well this season. I, I can't think of a ton of guys, right? I mean, Jordan Stout, maybe, maybe like, (laughs) does he, does he get a pick because like who I I think he is a game changing punter who struggled with field goals and probably was more of an issue. than it was made out to be because of the asset that he provides in in terms of that field position game. But not, I mean, I, I just, Look, we, we kind of live in this cesspool of negativity about right. I mean, it's, yeah, when you it's go seven
0: sure and six, case. it's hard to have anyone play, you know, be yeah, so stellar. I just, I,
1: yeah, I don't I don't know that there really is a guy who everyone was in love with who didn't you know, like what who was who was the star is Jahan Dotson. And yeah. I will say yeah. that Jahan Dotson deserved every ounce of credit that he deserved. Yeah. And probably more so than that. So, I, yeah, I, I don't know. That's a tough question.
0: Yeah, guys that performed well, uh, let's just list them off. Arnold Lebekidi got the credit he deserves. Both the safeties. Uh, maybe a little up and down, but more good than bad. So, if you wanted to put, uh, even if you wanted to be negative about it, put, one, you know, put, um, uh, oh, my yeah, gosh. Jaquan, Br- Jaquan Brisker was hurt all the time. Yeah. he. Yeah, I, I'm forgetting a name, so I'm going to move on. Uh, a guy that comes to mind is Nick Tarburton, but, you know, he's a good role player on the team. Uh, Jesse Lucchetta, I think, got a lot of praise, and rightfully so, for his abilities. I will say, if there's one part I'll say is overrated, it was that he's a linebacker. He is not a linebacker. That I think we saw pretty clearly in the bowl game. But he, you know, was a good soldier in those situations and did it, even though not his natural position. Uh, so let's shift to. Uh, a quick question from the audience, and by the way, if you're joining us, I see a bunch of people have joined the show since we said this last. This is the BWI Live Show. If you're here in Happy Valley, happy snow day. Thanks for uh, hunkering down with us here on the show. If you are not in the middle of a winter storm, we are, so that's why I've got the winter sweater on, but you can still ask a question. If you want to drop that in the chat, if you want to be a part of the show, we got a couple that we can get to here. Tyler asks, and let me throw this up in here... Um, do you think, deny, Dennis Sutton can contribute as a freshman? Talking about the defensive line and Derek Tangelo and some of the things we were just getting on, do you think that that is a viable option for Penn State, Nate? I,
1: I'm, I struggle with questions like that because I, I, I try to think of the last true freshman to do it. Um, I, I think him not being on campus in this semester it probably damages that a little bit. Um away he played a little bit as a freshman, I think. Uh Isaac played a little bit as a freshman, but um, you know, contribute as a freshman versus be what they need as a freshman are two wildly different conversations. And so do I think he can contribute as a freshman? Sure. Yeah. he can he can play. He can get in there. Um, you know, it's just it's just a matter of seeing how they divvy up Reps, you, you know, there's there's usually one, and then a pretty distinct gap before yeah. two comes into play. Um, specifically on the defensive
2: line,
0: uh, Dave. Do you have anything to add before hopping on den- deny?
2: No, I, I I think he has. I think he's physically built like he can contribute. Yeah, soon. Um, he's got the body for it. the The, the rest is going to be, I think, what determines whether or not that happens.
0: Yeah, and. So he had a quote to Ryan Snyder during the All-America Bowl that I thought was showed his maturity where he said I just don't I want to come in and I want to help. I don't want to go out there and get embarrassed, I think was the the quote he said. Of he wants to be prepared to play on the football field. But from my evaluation, I haven't seen a guy coming out of high school more prepared than Dennis Sutton. He's got the he's got multiple pass rush moves that he uses intentionally in games i think sometimes guys do things naturally where they've practiced it a couple times but it is technical it is something that he's obviously doing i watched him go outside inside and through a guy in the all-america bowl and that's supposedly one of the best tackles in high school coming into college so he certainly can do that but then the question is just uh, is he strong enough is he as ready as he looks physically to do that against guys that are three years older than him? It takes a different level of strength and a different level of ability to do that. But from a technical standpoint, I have been blown away. And then it was just about, does he have the some of the subtle things, some of the more underlying questions about his athleticism that I've had about his bend and his mobility? But I'm quickly not caring after watching him more and more. Uh, so, yeah, I, I do think he can contribute. I do think he can be, a, as, as Nate said, maybe not a starter, but a contributor on the roster. Um, who needs, and this is a different than who's the most important, who needs to have the biggest offseason from a weight room perspective to you guys when it comes to Penn State uh, and their development this offseason, have a good 2022. I'll go to, sorry, You're- go to Nate you're
1: the the question might be different, but the answer is the same. It's still the offensive yeah. line it, it just it just is I mean they uh, I think that certainly the weight room is a big part of that. I think that the transition with from Dwight Galt will be uh, you know maybe a little bit of an interesting caveat to that right i I don't see in James Franklin and the way that he runs the Penn State football program like monumental shifts. I, I, it just, it doesn't seem to be the MO. Um, You know, I mean, maybe you could argue from John Donovan to Joe Moorhead, uh, uh, stylistically, certainly. Um, but in terms of like a weight room approach, I, I'm not really sure that that's going to be dramatically different when they move, obviously um, Dwight Galt retiring, but it remains the same. Right, it just it's the offensive line has to be bigger, has to be stronger, has to be more effective and really like, and again, I mean, this is one of those things that it's, it's tough to quantify, be, but because James Franklin says it as much as he does, uh, I feel comfortable saying it like they just got to be like tougher and meaner. It, it, it's, it's a, it's a will thing. It's a, yeah. it's an attitude thing that just does not seem
0: to be there. With that group, that I want to stop you there. Needs to be. I want to stop you there because that is an excellent point, Dave. Is that something you can teach? Is that something you can learn? Have you ever have have you seen that before?
2: Um, I think I think a little, right? Like I I don't think you can, you know, make a a, a passive person an aggressive person by nature overnight, but I do think that you can jack them up a little bit, right? I I, I don't think that um, I don't think that's impossible. I don't I don't think it's like teaching an old dog new tricks there. Um, but certainly, as for how you do that? No idea. Um, uh, that's, that's, that's a question for Phil Troutline. But <laughs> I, I, I don't think it's impossible. No, I mean, uh, it, there, you know, there are moments, right? There are moments for this stuff. Y- yeah, you know, the, the moment is not you're up by 35 against central Michigan or whatever. And you just, you know, you, you, you want to taunt the defensive tackle that you just pancake blocked, Right. That's, that's not the moment, but there, there, there are, there is a time and place. Um, and I think for Penn state fans, you would like to see them do that stuff in, in the time and place more. Um,
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, so this is an interesting conversation we had about Steven Gonzalez back in the day where he's this 345 pound, uh, you know, huge offensive linemen. And they always talked about getting to play with more aggression, more assertiveness, all of those things. And he said like, you know, he worked on it. And and to me, it never actually happened. It never actually came through. It's one of those things that I think is revealed and refined, but you can't, I, today's point, I don't think you can really teach guys things. You learn stuff about people. Like for example, when we first started the blue white illustrated YouTube channel, dave it was his first time doing anything on air now he's exceptional but you know it's about revealing and refining it's not necessarily about uh developing a sense of you know something like that now there are some people that that you can help but some people just they're not meant to be on camera like our own nate bauer that's true just kidding too much (laughs) too
1: much laughing too much wheezing
0: Oh my! Don't Nate, do this. Yeah, yeah. Let, let's not. <laughs> let's not. Let's not feed the darkness. Um, when it comes to off-season important dates, Nate, you wrote earlier this year a calendar for Penn State football, and I got a little bit of PTSD when I read into September. You went all the way out there. I still haven't recovered from the workload of the season, just the, the craziness of it. But what's the next important date for Penn State football this off-season? What's coming up?
1: Yeah. You know, I, I did that. And then two days later, they changed the schedule. So it's already irrelevant. Um, (laughs) But no, I think, I think uh, the, the senior bowl was the next one on that list, which is February 5th. Um, But certainly I think that it uh, it's recruiting time, right? Like this is, this is, they just came out of a junior day. There are more junior days coming Um, and so, you know, it's kind of that the, uh, under the surface of the water, the, the propellers are spinning very rapidly right now for Penn state football. It is recruiting. It is winter workouts. It like go. And so that's, that's kind of what's going on right now.
0: Yeah. And a quick preview coming up later today on the BWI daily edition, Greg pickle joins me to talk about junior day. Some of the impressions coming out from what happened with Penn state football. And if you want to get all that information right now. We do talk about some stuff that isn't over on the site, but a lot of the facts and figures and quotes and everything. BlueWhiteIllustrated.com. If you're just joining us, I'm going to tell you again: sign up for one dollar and you get 12 months of access for free, and it is worth it. And I'm not. So Dave earlier was was touting our praise. And I'm going to throw this up here, and uh, just because I appreciate it, um, but I just want to point out: it's a dollar. If you break that down by day, we are now into theoretical amounts of money. And, you know, this, this deal isn't going to last forever. But even when the deal expires, if you want to do the math there, you would need 100 days of the year for it to cost one dollar. I'll, I'll, I'll Venmo you a couple bucks if that's going to be a problem. So just sign up because the number of articles a day alone, let alone the number of days that you have access to this information. So we're going to get on. We're going to move on to Penn State basketball. They played yesterday. They lost 61-56 to Ohio State. The They were without Seth Lundy. So Dave, what was the situation with Seth Lundy and why didn't he play?
2: Yeah. Um, so Micah Shrewsbury has kind of played a, a little bit coy. Hasn't told us why he didn't play which in previous situations he has um so i think you can read into it a little bit there in a way that i don't really want to speculate publicly but um i I think uh you know they they just announced right before the game that he wasn't going to play which is also something that they've never done and they missed him you know they lose by five points on the road against a ranked team they don't have their leading scorer um that's a tough one so yeah, it was it was a, it was a tough one for them.
0: Uh, Nate, how'd they do in his absence? How did uh, Tem- the game go?
1: I, I listen. I'm, I'm just because I'm so tired of this. Like, I'm happy to speculate. I'm tired <laughs> of the non-answer. Like, guess what? There's a global pandemic going around. Everybody's getting <laughs> infected yeah. with said pandemic infection. Uh, he didn't go on the trip, but he was able to tweet. So let's let's do some quick. <laughs> addition here dude <laughs> probably has covid thank you and that's fine it's no longer a scarlet letter it moving on thank so, you so in any case but it like it matters right if, yes because if this is a depending on the protocols and how we're all operating at this point whether it's 10 days or five days is now significant right because if he can go back in five days and was available let's say Friday or Thursday or whenever the last time, what what was it, Dave? They played on Tuesday. So he was able to play on Tuesday. If it's a five day quarantine and he tested on Wednesday, he misses the Sunday game, but he's back for this Wednesday. If it's a 10 day window, now we're talking about him potentially missing like, but it's a huge deal. Yeah. (laughs) Seth Lundy not being available for Penn state basketball is a massive deal. And that showed itself on Sunday. They just, Desperately, desperately missed his scoring. Yep. Um, it, you know, uh, it was funny. We we ran a an in game thread. Um, you know, and and there were some complaints about Jelani White um, taking threes <laughs> right in the corner. And Shrewsbury, he was only he only did five minutes of post game, but it was one of the first things that he brought up was, yeah, we kept kicking to the corner because because that's the shot. That's the shot that. Seth Lundy always takes and, you know, doesn't make all of them, but he makes some of them And yeah. in a five point game. That's the difference sometimes. So they made six, three pointers. Did they make six yesterday, Dave?
2: They took a ton. They took a yeah, bunch I think of three pointers. Yeah. I think there were six of 22, two. I think. Yeah. So yeah, they are. Oh, and five when they don't make 30% of their threes. And I think they're eight and two when they do. So Yep. Yeah there it is yep. uh, there it's yep. not like
0: as we talked about it's not like they have a deep bench they can go to and just find another three-point shooter they need all their guys to play and play well so to not have that is obviously a clear thing so then the then you know if you didn't if you didn't catch the game and I caught a couple minutes of the radio broadcast when I was getting groceries on Sunday uh, was the game as close as it seemed was it because it, it, it seemed like you know from the final score and if you caught some of it seemed like it was a close game so Dave was it was it that close the whole game or was it it uh an appearances thing at the end
2: it was kind of like it, it was oh it would be around five and that would be as close as penn state gets it and ohio state would get it to 10 penn state would cut it to five that that was kind of it was five to ten most of the game um yeah. you know ohio state was the better basketball team um, yeah I, I don't think that's really debatable but they also shot i think 30 something free throws <laughs> you know so they they kind of bailed themselves out at the line um i think penn state actually shooted shooted goodness me shot hey oh, uh, come on i, I know um you, you, don't don't let your your daughter get any speaking lessons from me that's not gonna go well <laughs> but yeah i think they shot a higher percentage from the field but ohio state just got a ton of free throws they got to the lane a lot um, and that was kind of kind of the difference, I think.
0: So for, for both of you guys, this is in line with expectations of what we talked about last week on the show. If this team's going to be gritty. They're going to be close. They might not win all of these games, but as long as they're in them, that is what they're going for this year. Kind of like if, if we're making a, a football analogy, a low scoring team that wants to drag the other offense into the dirt with them. And that's exactly. what their defensive pace and everything has been right. L- right, Dave, you, you wrote about their their pace earlier this week
2: yeah their pace is that of a an elderly snail. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it is not fast they I think there are three hundred fifty eight college basketball division one teams I think there I think there are, are eleven that have a slower pace than Penn state so and and it's working right that's not a criticism yeah that, that's that's hey, here's what you need to do to stay competitive and they're doing it um because. If you can turn these games into lottery tickets or, or, or coin flips or whatever expression you want, I, I mean, I think that's something that you take rather than letting Indiana or Ohio State or Purdue run wild on you and and have all this space on the floor for their to, to use their superior athleticism and just, it's not going to work. Um, and, and really, this, this isn't the first time this has been tried here, right? Uh, I think... It, Pat Chambers did that for a yep. while. Um, I think this offense is a little bit better than some of those teams uh, when at full strength. Obviously, it was really ugly Sunday. It was bad. But, uh, yeah, that, that that's the formula, right? Keep it close. See what happens. That's what it is. That's that's what it's going to be in Big Ten play. So um, I, think that's, I think if you're a Penn State fan and you're based on what your preseason expectations probably were, I think you'll take that.
0: So speaking of Big Ten play, who, what, when, where, why, Nate, what's coming up next for Penn State basketball? Yeah, so they,
1: they get Minnesota on Wednesday at 6.30 at the Bryce Jordan Center, and uh, Minnesota has lost its last four, including a 10-point loss on Sunday at Iowa. So Minnesota was, uh, they also have a new coach, and had they started 10-2, and Uh, had a win against Michigan, so that it's a program that the expectations were fairly low and they had exceeded those expectations in the first really half of the season, and now things have come back down to earth a little bit for uh Goldie Gopher. Um, so no, it's it's but you know, look, like here's the thing. Penn State basketball this year, specifically, I don't think really externally has any expectations to live up to. Yeah. And these are the type of games, 630 on the big 10 network in probably (laughs) a mostly empty, right? Like just the darkest of the days in January when it's miserable outside, you know what a win and you're
0: in good shape. Nate I was going to come back with you didn't answer why is Penn State basketball but there you go even there answering the why for what they're doing in (laughs) the game on Wednesday Uh, so Dave back to you last question for the show Um, what is the expectation in that game as from what Nate set up with uh, the two teams is this a good chance to win how do you think they match up give us a, a quick thumbnail scouting report of the game
2: I, I, you know, if you were asking me my pick, I would pick Penn State, um, the analytic services, you know, Ken Palm and the like are also picking Penn State, um, Penn State. I, and, and again, this is quite the jump over the last couple of weeks, but Ken Palm, which if you don't know, is kind of like the industry standard, like analytic, like thing. I don't even know what to call it. It ranks teams basically. Yeah. Um, it has Penn State at number 65. So I think they were around 90-ish a couple weeks ago, um, and Minnesota is 90th. So mm-hmm. um, this is a team that, Penn, that the analytics think that Penn State is better than. Obviously, that doesn't mean you expect them to win. If they have Seth Lundy, that obviously throws – don't have Seth Lundy, that obviously throws a, a wrench into it. Um, but at full strength, I would pick Penn State here. So um,
0: 60. you said 65th in the Ken Palm rankings. Yes, sir. So that is a tournament team. Right? And do I have something wrong uh, here? Like, as well, far as like, how did, what's the difference no. there?
2: Because it, the NCAA tournament, like the the last thirty teams or so, are all not very good teams that win their conference tournaments and get auto bids. Got it. So to be on the bubble, you kind of have to be in the forties. Okay. Probably yeah. a little bit higher to actually get in. Um. So yeah, they've got a little ways to go there.
0: That's why we have our intrepid reporters on the show, so they can fill me in and 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 banish my ignorance into uh, the ether. Uh, anything that we missed on the show today? Anything I didn't ask you guys that you want to cover before we get going? Just got like a minute.
1: Yeah, the you didn't say
0: anything about the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can tie this in. I can tie this into Penn State football. I've been thinking about this all week. Bates. <laughs> Ryan Bates, he has started for the Bills the last two, three weeks of the season, I think the last three games, at left guard where he started his career. And look at that, he's a good football player when you play with the position you're supposed to play! You know, they were playing him at center, right tackle, everywhere else. And it was like, just play him at left guard. Get the rotating door of not good football players out of there. And it stabilized their offensive line. He was pulling. He was in front of people. He opened up the running game. I mean, he's still on the NFL level an okay lineman from a physical standpoint. But he knows what he's doing. And he helped the team. And now they're on to play the Kansas City Chiefs. And I won't be able to sleep until after the game. Either
1: way, I've I've never watched. uh, I have I don't watch a lot of NFL football like they look like dogs up front, dude. Like that. That's a tough offensive line. Am I?
0: Is that the right read? So no, not until not until last week. (laughs) (laughs) But that's what it but no, that's what I'm saying. So they have a a rookie right tackle who is hyper athletic, but is still kind of he's a he's a rookie offensive lineman. Uh, they moved uh, Daryl Williams from right tackle to right guard. They have a cursed right guard position. That's not been good for like four seasons now. Mitch Morse is an undersized center. Deion Dawkins is an undersized but really good left tackle. Uh, But just the way they play together is they play really well and they have changed their blocking scheme a little bit where they were really zone heavy and in that game they were pulling a lot and they're getting those athletes out in space and they're running and there's a new rule in the NFL where you can't cut block if you're a defender on the outside you can't dive at the knees of an offensive lineman and a lot of teams, the Bengals and the Bills and a lot of teams were were pitching the ball out wide and with their offensive line. I think they were running it that way for that particular reason. So, And Ryan Bates was a part of that and has the athleticism to get out there and play there. So smart coaching, putting your players in position to succeed, playing well. It won't matter if Patrick Mahomes throws five touchdowns though.
1: (laughs) Josh Allen's going to throw eight. It's fine
0: that's what that's what we're gonna go for that's what we're hoping for uh, so thank you for indulging me Nate that felt good uh, the BWI live show thanks for coming in if uh, and thanks for participating thanks to everybody who gave us a super chat donation we'll be doing this this offseason every Monday at noon tell your friends we're having a good time we'll talk about anything that you guys want to bring up within reason of course and uh, we'll be taking your questions talking about things that come up in the offseason for Nate Bauer and Dave Eckert I'm your host Thomas Frank Carr we'll talk